wants to see me stare glossy-eyed at little SD anime figures as I increase all their Jabo points, but I haven't I haven't got to it. Uh, yep, gonna be a big Twitch star. And then since we're talking about really stupid ambitions and embarrassing nerdy shit, uh, you're probably listening to the Big Bang Theory Theory. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Kyle. And this is a Bring show. Bring it to you old school. Just the two original, just the OG flavor yes. for the Big Bang Theory Theory today. Now you know exactly how many friends Kyle and I have between us. So that's, we've, we've, we've gone to the bottom of the well. We know literally nobody else. Uh, no, we, it's, we, we've been trying out guests for a while. Uh, I think it's been going really well, but Kyle and I wanted to do a, uh, a one-on-one thing this time. We, we're probably still going to have guests in the future, uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, for people who uh, are, are – this is your first episode, you, you dum-dums, uh, what we do is we watch the Big Bang Theory television series, and we watch it because uh, before we started watching it, uh, Kyle and I both were familiar with the show as being something nerds reviled and – yeah, uh, I, I knew very little about it, and I wanted to investigate, and so we watched the show. It, it, it does mostly suck, but we try to have fun, and uh, mostly we just talk about other random nerd shit like we've been doing up until now. Kyle, I can go ahead and dive into the, the summary, unless there's any other uh, nope. jibber-jabber that you want to oh, get in, in the meantime. In, in a week, uh, uh, not to give anything, thought this was a week episode, and that was definitely one of the weaker moments in the week episode. Yeah, this one, uh, not bad, but kind of a dud, especially for the attempts to introduce meaningful stakes with the characters' relationships. Uh, and so to rather than making vague references, I'm going to spell it all out and let's see what happened. We are almost done with the fourth season. We are now on season four, episode 23, uh, officially titled The Engagement Reaction. Why is it called that? Because uh, Wallowitz it gets engaged to Bernadette, but that didn't happen till like the middle of the episode. Let's go back about thirty. Well, things. no, they'd been engaged in a. Oh, but they he... hadn't told their mo- his mom yet. Yeah. Yes. So, which that's a whole thing that I just can't relate to. But it, the whole episode does hinge on it. So the the cold open though is that uh, everyone's hanging out at the Cheesecake Factory, chit chatting. Uh, it's, it's nothing really important happens. Sheldon uh, does accidentally drink some of Leonard's water and then accidentally uses his napkin. And through the rest of the episode, uh, he becomes just an intensely paranoid germaphobe, which he always has been. And that leads me to wonder why it is he was so frazzled that he accidentally used Leonard's stuff when his like primary primary character trait is being like neurotic kind of OCD. And what's what's got Sheldon so frazzled? That's that's a mystery that's never answered. But anyway, they uh, they end up back at the apartment. The, the the bros do. They're all playing magic. Raj is doing color commentary, and it's adorable. But Sheldon's shutting them down because nobody else, nobody likes when anyone does anything fun in this in this whole series. And uh, oh god, what the fuck else happens? It's I can't remember. They end up the, the Wallowitz and Bernadette. They they're talking about getting married. Uh, Wallow uh, does tell his mom about it while she's on the toilet because uh, she can never appear on screen. Except Penny also dunks on her several times for being really fat. I don't know that Penny's ever seen her. And also, weirdly mean thing for Penny to do. 
Um, yes, that was a weird. I wondered that as well. I was like, since when, like, since when is Penny chummy and chubby enough with Wallowitz to make jokes about his mother's weight? Right. Yeah. And and I don't say this is is a really like sensitive, kind-hearted, progressive person who is against body shaming. Sometimes it's just funny to fucking make fun of people for how they look. I'm sorry, life is hard. Uh, but it's just, it was so strange and out of left field. I didn't really understand it. But anyway, he he breaks the news to his his mom that he's uh, engaged to Bernadette. Uh, she immediately faints and uh, passes out while she's on the toilet with the door locked. Wallowitz bravely tries to break the door down, but he's a little guy, and so he just hurts himself. And they both end up at the hospital. Um, there is a kind of a go nowhere small talk scene between uh, Sheldon and Penny where they talk about jibber jabber. Uh, but then Leonard's like, ah, shit, everyone's at the hospital. We got to go. Everyone ends up at the hospital. And this is like the the final like seven or eight minutes of the episode. But it's really where all the substance happens because suddenly it gives Priya and Penny an opportunity to, to can hang out. And so they, they talk and they, they joke about oh, what secrets they're sharing about Leonard and Raj is like, oh, I can't be good for you. You better be paranoid. But it's all just noise, really. Um, and what what really it's it's about is the engagement. Uh, Wallowitz's mom ends up approving of Bernadette. Bernadette's mad at Wallowitz because he handles it all so poorly. Wallowitz makes a joke about how Bernadette's voice sounds sexy when she sounds like his mom, and so I guess he's a mom fucker or whatever. Oh and man, you jump like uh, well, we can talk. We about can get it, back but... to it, yeah. And then uh, the 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 end of the episode is Sheldon while at the hospital is he's running from every conceivable germ entry way he can. He he runs away from a, a guy being rolled out in a hospital bed who's coughing. And he he hides in a room that is uh, apparently a, a, a an unlocked, totally accessible to anybody walking by biohazard room. Uh, everyone in there is is hooked up in 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 safety biohazard suits. They're like, ah, guess what? You've got whatever this fucker's got now. And the the episode ends with the other nerdos all in their own biohazard suits visiting Sheldon in the hospital to play magic. The end. That's like more explaining than these have for me in a while. Even though, like I said, nothing really happens until the last few minutes of the episode. Uh, I think it might just be because this episode has like a couple of hard turns in it. So um, yeah, it's 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 a little over the place, and there's not a lot also to like hang on to in it in the sense of like there's no well, like you said, it's like despite the fact that it revolves around the episode revolving around Howard's mother going to the hospital. It's like, nobody's ever actually freaked out about it. And it's like, it's not like, which I guess is fine because otherwise it would be fringing on like very special episode territory. But, um, it's just like, yeah. And then that happens and then she's fine. The end. Yeah. And it's Priya and Penny kind of buddying up comes out of nowhere. And it's strange too, because Penny throughout the episode is like, kind of like knowingly giggling to herself the whole time and having these little interactions with a few of the, 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 the dudes. It's like, oh, hey, you know, we're friends. It's weird. I don't really get to see you anymore. But it's crazy that, you know, I, we, we really are friends in, in spite of me having to avoid Priya. And it's like, where, okay, this is going to go to some sort of weird maybe confrontation about Priya or something. And instead, yeah, they, they end up at the hospital. They, they start drinking coffee and gossiping together. And it's fine. 
they they do mention uh well i guess leonard mentions a, he confides to raj that he has done sexy striptease striptease dances for penny and how that might be an embarrassing thing for priya to find out and i'm frustrated that that has never been on screen i want to see leonard do fun little sexy striptease dances uh not because uh i i need that hard uh leonard body but because i would really like more more interesting things to happen in this show yes yeah, just something something out of character or not out of carrot, something out of, uh, yeah, something that makes these people more multidimensional and interesting. You know, we usually, like, pick apart the episodes, and we, we're, we're still doing that. But I'm going to jump the gun a little bit and say that I've, I've been watching a lot of Curb Your Enthusiasm recently. I've been, that's my, my, I don't, I'm not good at binging TV, but I'm, I'm working my way through it. And something that's so different about that show, which is, for anyone who's not already familiar with it, it's largely unscripted. Um, you know, there's there are scene structures, obviously, but most of the dialogue is improvised. And so much of the humor from that show doesn't come from these these quips about fat moms or whatever, but just the circumstances of each episode are so either like convoluted or bizarre that the events themselves are hilarious and something that happens consistently with the big bang theory is like i feel like they're making reference to more interesting things that we never get to see and instead we have the static shots of you know two or three rooms while everyone's talking about things i'd much rather be actually watching yes yeah like uh like howard trying to drag his his half-naked, grossly overweight mother, like, down the stairs so we can get her in the hospital. Uh, you know, that could be a laugh. Yeah. Or a David Lynch sketch, you know, you could go either way with it. Either I mean, David Lynch should come back. Like, they'd be like, oh, the Twin Peaks finale went so well, you're obviously good at revisiting work, you know. <laughs> Decades later, we want you to come back for the Big Bang Theory, all right? All the other guys, they made their money, they're done, okay? I, I don't know if you noticed this, Dave, but their hearts weren't really in it to begin with. And what we think we need is a fresh take. And so um, we've done a little bit of the work for you. Tell us if you're already on board for this. Sheldon is now an interdimensional shambling being who doesn't ever exist on one plane at any single time. And so he's difficult to communicate with because he's complaining to characters that are happening in, in dimensions that we frankly can't even perceive. So we're only actually getting a fraction of him and we're left to imagine the more interesting parts. But we want you to present, like, tell us what you would do with Leonard. <laughs> yes. Also, Penny is now a claymation bunny, because we know you like that sort of thing. So yeah. it's just an anthropomorphic claymation bunny. Yeah, who who is who looks much more like a realistic bunny than you would expect, and is nonetheless pretty <laughs> forwardly sexualized. So, I mean, Leonard's yeah, That's not bunny. your, it's just, we just, you know, we had to give something to the audience. Come right. On. And we didn't want to make it lurid or tacky or anything, but if any, like, canonically, Leonard fucks a rabbit. All right? That's, so anyway, that's a show that we have to write now. Yeah, this episode just did not give me a lot to work with. Uh, fav- <laughs> favorite line, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought Raj actually, maybe because he thrives when there's nothing really going on, but... I thought Raj actually got a bunch of the best lines in this episode. 
Do you think because, mostly because it was magic commentary or in general? I mean, I thought the magic commentary was actually funny and, you know, could have used more of it. But I also yeah. just like – I just also just like the part where he's giving Leonard a hard time and making him paranoid because his his – Girl, his two girlfriends are talking to each other, and he's like, and Leonard's like, "Why are you like this?" And Raj just goes, "I don't know. You'd think it would be because my parents <laughs> didn't love me, but actually, they loved me quite a lot." Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, actually, so since you since you brought that up, I think something that is interesting in this episode are the number of references to, like I said, things I'd rather be seeing, but they're they're voluminous, and so one of those is. Is Raj being like, I'm just a broken person. My parents love me, but I just, I'm just full of iron spite. <laughs> and then I, I can't remember if this has come up before, but Wallowitz makes a casual reference to be like, ever since my dad left, mom is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Have, we've, have we ever, like, I can't remember if it's ever been addressed whether he died or whatever, but it sounds like at some point he just took off. No, no, I think I, we've definitely talked about his dad come, like, just abandoning the family. I don't remember where, mm-hmm. but. Remember, because that's my theory about why he dresses the way he does. I'm pretty sure his entire outfit is like a night, a man in 1983 stepping out to get a pack of cigarettes and never coming back. Aww. Who do you think the first guy was to think of the out for a pack of smokes line? Because like it had an impact. Oh, I don't think I. I. It's one of those. I don't. It's like why is the shirt called a wife beater? I don't think any any particular brand management genius was. Coming up with that, I, I don't think Don Draper was involved. I think it was just such a common occurrence that everybody knew what it meant. That's one of those things too, where like you're not, you know, it's it's insensitive to use the word uh, wife beater, but what, what else? Like, call what is an A-frame shirt or like a sleeveless under? Like, nothing, nothing works as like when you say wife beater, you immediately know what it is, and you, you also kind of have an idea who's wearing it. <laughs> yes. Speaking so, just as long as we're talking about other TV shows, I was watching. I this in no way ties into anything in this episode. That's fine. Fuck. I've just, I've hey, just been. Hey gang, fuck this episode, Kyle. What's going on? <laughs> I've just, just, I want something sort of relaxing to watch in the background while I'm doing tax returns, and so I've been watching Mad Men for the first time, and you know it's a pretty well written show, but I really thought that like there would be more irony to it than there is when it really is. It's just like, no, this is a, this is just a pretty frank and casual portrayal of how monstrous like 1964 really was. It's just like, like, uh, like, I guess I was saying with like the domestic, like there's, there's a scene where like a little kid is running down a hallway and I I know exactly. I haven't seen this show in years and I know exactly what you're about to say. Continue. Like he, he he knocks over a vase and a and a dude who is not his father, who's mm-hmm. just another dude just at some the party, random fucking adult, just leans down and goes, "Hey!" and slaps him across the face, and it's like, "Don't do that," you know, be careful. And then the his dad comes over and is like, "What's going on here?" And it's like your kid knocked over this vase. He's like, "Ah, oh, hey kid, did you apologize for knocking over the vase, or do I have to slap you too?" Mm-hmm. And so the kid's like, "I'm sorry," and they're like, "Great." Now go get your mother to go clean this up. <laughs> and the whole show is just like that. It's just like, I'm amazed that it, like, it's just funny to me that, like, anyone, I don't remember the conversation when that show was a huge hit being, how extremely uncomfortable is every single moment in this no. TV show? Everyone is too horny for John Hamm. Like, his presence overshadowed the the, the, the frank and often upsetting display of... <laughs> 
violence and misogyny and, and racism all of it yeah anti-semitism yeah homophobia and and having to live as a as a deeply closeted person and yeah that i haven't like i know where it's going but i because i have spotted like anyone with eyes could spot the guy who is obviously gay and and overcompensating that he is not but it's like oh man when are we gonna get to the heartbreak that is this dude's whole life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it'll come it'll come <laughs> don't you worry and it's not addressed as well as I wish it would were, but is from what I remember. But anyway, yeah. Uh, hey, you're you're listening to the latest segment that we well, it's, we do it every episode. It shows we'd rather be watching. Yeah, the Mad Men theory theory. But yeah, I've uh, I've been watching too many clips recently of of uh, Beavis and Butthead watching music videos, and I will occasionally watch. Uh, clips also uh, of them in the classroom where one of their teachers is this old, you know, super laid back, burnt out hippie and another is a drill sergeant. And I'm thinking about like, you know, that didn't seem like an inaccurate depiction of public school in the 90s. What is it like for children and teens today? What what broken people are now in charge of of guiding them because I, we, we had, well, you're a little bit younger than me, but I, I, you know, had a lot of war veterans and a lot of older conservative people. Um, yeah. Different times. Oh yeah. I mean, we definitely had, I definitely had the sociology teacher who had like the big beard and, you know, I could never tell, like, well, obviously hard libertarian, but that sort of hard libertarian where it's like, maybe he went to Woodstock. Maybe he didn't. Nobody's sure. Yeah, it's it's the kind of libertarian who just he doesn't believe in money, um, except what well, well, yeah you know trades for for assault rifles and Bitcoin I guess yeah yeah exactly he's like kids you need to figure out how the internet works because pretty soon everything's going to be on the internet you know the government the government is just a pre- you can't rely on the government but you can trust the internet oh yeah. God, I bet that guy is so into QAnon now Jesus Christ. Most people, you know, the first thing to tell you about Bitcoin is that it can be used as a way of uh, disguising transactions for soliciting sex with minors. And I don't know why everyone keeps mentioning that or, or why I just brought it up to you either. But for some reason, every single time we talk about Bitcoin, we have to talk about the sex trafficking element, which is not, is not at all related to my interest in it. I, I just want weapons without serial numbers. Don't get me wrong. <sighs> Thanks, Mr. Martin. Uh, yeah. Uh, what the? Wait, I guess we should we should probably still talk about this episode. I don't know. Uh, well, I was thinking about um, what else happened. So yeah, the uh, the Sheldon's germophobia thing. It's funny because it, it. I will say that handled better than usual in the sense that they escalated it more than you usually get on this. Because I remember thinking, like, you have the scene at the beginning where he drinks the other guy's water. Sure. And then and then you have the scene, like, right after that, where Raj tells Sheldon that he took a drink of... or that Sheldon took a drink of his water, but he's just screwing with him. And I was like, usually that would be the button on the episode. It's like, usually, oh, Sheldon's paranoid about yeah. something, and then the end of the episode is, we horribly prank him. But they're like, no, I think this time we can step it up one level further than this. And so yeah. I did not expect it to go all the way to uh, um, being quarantined after being exposed to a biohazard. Yes. 
You know, yeah. I mean, this episode overall was dumb, but got to acknowledge that's that's a pretty good bit. Um, and the escalation and, and payoff were were also pretty great. Uh, I I don't know. I just keep thinking about that episode where there was they were building up to the final physical confrontation between. I think Wallowitz and Raj, and it was so uninteresting that that Leonard fell asleep in the background, and how how far we've come since then that we have Sheldon and actually and Wallowitz both doing some pretty good physical comedy. Wallowitz is good at physical comedy. They need to give more reasons for him to bend and break and bounce and things. It's, yeah, when he threw himself into that door, it was pretty good. Yeah, and I mean thinking back to him when he was in the. Uh, uh, it's not a it's not a singlet. No, it is a singlet. It's not a unitard. Fan corrected us when we talked about the wrestling episode. Uh, he's he's really good at that kind of stuff, and it's it's not an, a series that really has many opportunities to present physical comedy. Or I mean, I guess there's nothing stopping it. You know, it ju- it just doesn't. Um, but it would be nice if they took more advantage of. I don't I don't know what that even. The, I I still don't know what the hell the actor's name is. Is Simon Helberg? Is that am I just making that, that up? Yes, he's very active on Twitter. Oh, really? That's just how I know that off the top of my head. I mean, not in like a weird way. In, in a mostly he retweets like Bernie Sanders a lot way, but... Okay, I know I saw him... He, he was popping up all over the place in, in various movies I was watching, like A Serious Man, uh, which I, I hated and need to revisit, because apparently <laughs> everyone else oh, on Earth yeah. loves it. No, I can't watch that. Uh, it's too painful. Yeah. I'm not even Jewish. It's just like, I don't think anybody... I don't, like... This is an endurance test. Yeah, it really it, – because it, it's it's presented as a comedy, and the entire time I'm like, this is a miserable experience. <laughs> it's Because we're, again, totally not talking about the episode Serious Man's Coen Brothers movie where this man's – he's a Jewish man seeking meaning and knowledge in his life, and he just – horrible shit just keeps happening, and it never gets any better. And there's no – it's uh, it's just a bummer through and through, but I, I should revisit it. I was watching the final scene of Burn After Reading the other day. That one holds up. I think the final scene about that. I I, I need to rewatch that one too because that's another one I I didn't care for. I didn't hate it. Like I I hated a serious man. It just didn't work for me. But the final scene is is very very good. Okay, but this is our last attempt to talk about the episode itself. Okay. okay. How about this? How about this? Did you think that because Bernadette gives Wallowitz a really hard time for this, but I thought his like. His sense of causality made perfect sense to me, which is that he tells he tells Bernadette, well, you know, I was talking to my mom and I told her that we were engaged. The next thing I know, she fell over on the toilet. I guess she was really upset about it. Um, yeah, no, he so and, and we didn't and make she it gets, clear. She's like, why would you say that to me? Yeah, because Bernadette, the, the, she gets real upset with Wallowitz at the end. And, and she says something like, I can't believe you let me believe that the news of our engagement gave your mother a heart attack. But that is the genuine belief Wallowitz was operating under the entire time. And it was a very reasonable belief. And Bernadette being upset about it is is maybe the one time so far I'm not on Bernadette's side, you know? She's still adorable. She's still great. Um, but, yeah, she's, she's out of her mind on this one. Wallowitz, uh, I mean, when... When has food poisoning ever caused anyone to faint after receiving a stressful announcement? <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. You know, with that, I think I'm I think I'm done talking about this one. Unless you got anything else you want to squeeze in before we start talking about nerdy stuff or other shows we'd yeah. rather be watching. 
Nope. You know what else I've been watching that's really good? What's that? Uh, Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek is great. Do we do we just want to talk about Shit's Creek for a little bit, or do we want to officially transition to nerdy things? No, let's just talk about. So I was going to say this. Cast. All right. Yeah, that would be a good. I'm sure someone does a Shit's Cast, but if they didn't, we would have to. We would have to step on that just for the title. Just to continue our trend of snapping up podcast titles that make people think our podcast is going to be better or more inter- or more relevant to their interest than it actually is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm only in, like, the middle of the second season. I've been watching it with uh, my new girlfriend. And, uh... <laughs> I like the voice you used is going to make it sound as if that was edited in after the fact. Yes. <laughs> there I was, having dinner with my new girlfriend... You know, on a Saturday, and but yeah, Shit's Creek is. I I was told about Shit's Creek. I think when episodes were still coming out, my friend was like, "The first season blows, but you get through it, and it's incredible." And I was like, "That's what everyone says when they want to victimize you with a show that they didn't, that they 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 felt tricked by." They're always like, "Just spend thirteen hours on it, and after the initial investment, the quality will start to increase slightly." Yeah, I but thought it was. I thought it was funny from the very beginning. I agree. It's. I think the first season is the weakest season, but it's still better than most television shows. Like it's it's very well. I mean, a lot of it is just the power of the main cast, but also just relevant to this, relevant to what we were talking about. One of the things I noticed is that. Like, even though it's a comedy, it's really well structured in the sense that it will have, like, an A plot and the B plot, but, like, the A plot and the B plot are thematically connected to each other. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's an episode that's, like, all, you know, that's all about fitting in in the new town. So we watch the parents try to figure out how they're going to fit in with all of these hicks in their own way, and then we watch the kids, you know, trying their way of, like, fitting in. It's slightly different, but we're just basically watching the same experience from two different lenses, and so on and so forth. And so there's like, you know, there's like the episode where they're all worried about money or the episode, you know, where they're thinking about consequences or the episode where they're, you know, trying to earn the respect of people in the town. It's always it's always like you're watching the different characters grapple with the same journey in slightly different ways. And it's it's like, why is that so hard to do? It's like the Big Bang Theory can barely string like an A plot and a B plot together, much less like actually pretend that they have anything to do with each other. Yeah, I wonder how that happens. I mean, I'm never going to be a professional writer, especially not on a TV show. And so I am not intimately familiar with the writing process. But I suspect that with shows like The Big Bang Theory, where they want it all to be as accessible as possible, and they have these archetypes that never really need to change, I can imagine having just like a pot of jokes that you just want to randomly not well you know it might make sense to the writers at the time but you know the pot that they keep going back to to insert as they go along rather than having jokes that rely on the plot or structure of the episode and so i think that's why with this episode like the sheldon bit about being a germaphobe is good that has no bearing on anyone else <laughs> or or the or the actual plot of the episode it's just like a fun thing to see him doing um. Yeah, it's it's not like he learns a lesson about <laughs> how to share news about intimate relationships with family. <laughs> he just he gets mad at Raj and he plays cards with with his friends. It, that's it. <sighs> okay. Now we're officially transitioning to our nerdy thing of the week. Kyle, 
I'm nominating you to go first because I'm going to have to bullshit some stuff. All right. So I am happy to recommend – this is a real nerdy thing this week. It's not just a thing that I liked. It's obviously super nerdy. I've been, I watched the first three episodes of the new Amazon animated series Invincible, and oh man, is that my jam. Yeah? I remember yeah. the comic. I never read it, but I remember looking at the covers as it came out. <laughs> well, so I read – that is one of the – I think that is one of the first comics that I ever started reading it, like when it was first like being serialized, mm-hmm. and I followed it almost in real time like through its conclusion. Like, I don't own all of them, but I own most, a lot of the hardcovers for that series. But yeah, like, I basically, you know, cause he was, so, little bit of background. The Invincible, Invincible was originally a superhero comic book series published by Image Comics, written by Robert Kirkman, who is more famously, much more famously, the creator of The Walking Dead, which was his breakout comic book. But after, you know, making like a billion dollars with The Walking Dead, he was like, you know, I want to do a superhero comic. So he created Invincible, which is really, as he would has said in the past, was like his love letter to like a very classic style of Silver Age superhero comic book. Maybe not Silver Age, just a, like an homage to like classic superhero, like Spider-Man style story- storytelling. Invincible is the story of basically it's a guy who's like it's it's a very recognizable superhero world you know there are the guardians of the globe who are all like the heavy hitters you know you've got your batman xp and your wonder woman xp and your so on and so forth uh and the leader well actually not that he's explicitly not a member of the group but he is you know the one everybody respects is is uh, Omni-Man, and Omni-Man is obviously Superman, except he has a mustache, a really badass mustache. Nice. Uh, and his kid is uh, is Mark Grayson, and Mark, uh, when he is 17 or 18 or whatever, finally, um, finally in, like, hits the biologic... He, he gets his father's superpowers, basically, and he has to, you know, and he becomes, like an amateur superhero whose dad is like the greatest superhero in the world. And so that's the initial hook, which is a great hook um, that you can sort of see how they would go with that. But then it also has like a great twist that I'm not going to spoil. You only, if you watch the first episode that you, you, you sort of find it out by the end. It's not even like a, an impossible to see coming twist. It's just done so well. I don't want to deprive anyone of the joy of, of seeing it for themselves. Um, But anyway, so yeah, so it's just like, like I said, the one I, despite the fact that the stakes are grander because it's set on much more of a world stage, the thing it reminds me the most of is like Spider-Man because it's about like a a teen superhero, you know, who wants to like have a, you know, a normal life and a girlfriend and stuff like that. But he also wants to, you know, save the world and he has the powers of Superman and um, and it has just like the best supporting cast of like you know, all of his other friends, some of whom are normal, some of whom are also, like, cool superheroes and as had great pacing. And all of that is just a recommendation for the comic book, I guess, because <laughs> that's that's all I've been talking about. But anyway, when the show was coming out, I was excited, but I wasn't sure it was going to be, like, able to capture the vibe of the comic or not. Or whether I'd be interested because it's like, you know, the comic book is imprinted in my DNA. So I was like, what can the show give me? But it turns out... Um, it's very good. So it's good for a couple of reasons. First, it's good because the voice acting across the board is just phenomenal. Everybody is like 
spectacular. Um, I think Stephen Yun is uh, is Mark Grayson, um, explicitly Asian. Like I guess he was maybe Asian in the comics too, and they just never talked about it. But in like the show, it's like no, his his mother is obviously uh, Asian American, and then his dad is an alien, but he looks like a white guy, and he's voiced by J.K. Simmons. And let me tell you. You know, mustachioed Superman with J.K. Simmons' voice is just, like, everything you could want. Um, um, so, it's a great voice cast. And then oh. the animation. Uh, sorry, you actually just said anime. I was going to say, uh, when you said Steven Yeun was in it, I was like, yeah, a little old to be this character. Not realizing no, it this, was animated. <laughs> no, this is a cartoon. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, no. J.K. Simmons would also be... Uh, weird as to play superman without anyway but no it's it's a cartoon and it it's incredibly well animated but also it's like the first it's like one of these american cartoon shows now where it's like well obviously the people who made this like watched a lot of dragon ball z growing up because it has like the you know the high speed battles and like the you know the smashing through walls and the things that like uh just really high-end like fun explosiony kinetic superhero action that you've always imagined your superhero shows would have but they never quite live up to and this one just has a lot of really good oh and really brutal because that's the other thing that was always that's great about invincible sort of uh you know thematic or connecting it stylistically to the walking dead is is it is a very straight superhero comic it's like you know there are good guys and bad guys and they all wear like brightly colored uniforms and you know and everything else but when they fight each other they just beat the shit out of each <laughs> other like they just put holes in each other like it has like the ultra violence that you expect from like the Snyder verse but then in all of the rest of their interactions they're just like you know talking like you know non you know sociopathic characters it's just like look you know if you can punch someone so hard that you can like if you can punch so hard you can shatter a building then sometimes you're gonna punch someone and their arms gonna fly off it happens yeah yeah that's reasonable all, all right. right and where where is invincible found uh amazon streaming on amazon okay good i might i might check it out because i i was worried it was going to be on hbo and i'm like oh, God, i don't i don't want to pay for hbo but i can do amazon neat Last fun fact about the comic is that originally it was set in, like, the Image extended universe, so you would have cameos by dudes like Spawn. And, <laughs> yes, uh, definitely Spawn. And uh, the Savage Dragon, but I don't expect <laughs> any of them – I don't expect any of them to show up in the show, although that would be rad. Savage Dragon I need to read because <laughs> my understanding, um, just based off of the images I've seen of it, are that – He's just a cop that's also some kind of like lizard or fish man. I'm not a, I'm not aware that he has any any powers. <laughs> no, he's big. He's super strong like the Hulk. But, okay. <laughs> but yes, but he has no he obviously he has no secret identity. Like his name is Officer Dragon and he's just like walking through Chicago just like, you know, which has a real super crime violent, you know. All of the violence in Chicago, you know, is exacerbated when you have sup- the super mafia. Yeah, of course. Super mafia is even worse than the pretty good mafia. And way <laughs> worse than the incompetent mafia. Um, all right. So I asked you to go first because I was going to bullshit something. And then I was so busy uh, actually listening to you describe Invincible. I didn't think of my own thing. Um, I am I'm continuing to play Bravely Default 2, and it is still great. Uh, as I was saying at the beginning of the episode, it's it's designed for old men like me who really liked the first handful of Final Fantasy games and 
and have been waiting for that magic to come back and it never did but there's this spin-off series that addresses the, the crotchety old uh fucks that uh, include me um i also have started reading uh the derf back derf comic about the kent state massacre and it is very good so far as all of his work is but i don't think i'm far enough to yet recommend it um and so i'm going to make a random recommendation for a band, a, a brother-sister Swedish duo uh, called The Knife, who uh, they do sort of poppy, but it, some of the songs are poppy, but a, lo- a lot of it is uh, a lot uh, better than, than traditional pop music. Uh, I, I was scared to talk about this because I feel like I don't have an in-depth knowledge enough of The Knife to say a lot about them and that's absolutely true i'm realizing uh, and i'm just floundering here uh, but uh i'm just gonna say listen to them i guess they're good all their albums are good one of them sp- uh, did her own solo project called fever ray and i think a couple of those songs were really popular a couple years ago especially after one of them was on the the, the breaking bad show um but they've got uh great songs that aren't traditional pop such as uh andy the handyman uh is a good one or uh the song uh, with the super slow funky bass groove about how you keep your dick hanging out of your pants so you can point out what you want uh it's all super weird and i guess they almost never do live performances like i don't think they're reclusive but they also uh, seem content to not put themselves in the public any more than necessary to occasionally display whatever weird visual aspect of their their project they they de- deem merit worthy of public consumption. Um, so yeah, I uh, the knife. Listen to the, all of their music; it's great. And then get back to me and and tell me that we are better friends because of it. <sighs> all right. Well. We didn't really talk about the show we're supposed to talk about, but we talked about stuff that we'd rather talk about, which is really how all these episodes go anyway. So I think this was a big success. Yes. We did exactly what we were supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's what people want from podcasts. No more, no less. Like, I came here because I thought they would touch on the thing that they pretend to be interested in and then just do a bunch of bullshit. And that's what they did. That's why I listen. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Any other cool, fun things that you want to leave off with? Do you know who the Sparks are? I don't like think so. No, I'm sorry. That's okay. I mean, I bet I guarantee you've probably heard one or two of their songs. You've heard? Did you see the movie Kick Ass when it came out? I saw it when it came out. Yes, <laughs> and not since. This town ain't big enough for the most of us. Is sampled in that, um, and it's right. a great. It's a great. Anyway, Sparks, good band. I was thinking. I don't know if they're anything like the Knife. I was just thinking about weird bands and it reminded me that uh edgar wright has just finished making a documentary about the sparks that i'm super excited to watch when it finally comes out ah. all right well let's wrap up with recommending this sparks documentary that edgar wright is working on because it's at the very least going to be pretty good if not great so there that's it you've had your nerd show stop listening goodbye goodbye <laughs>